Eventually Super Train, episode 93. Hey everyone, this is Dan. I am your host of the show. Your main host. This is a short-lived TV show podcast you're listening to right now. We cover three shows at a time, one episode at a time. Eventually, we will cover Super Train. Eventually. In this episode, three segments begin with Tim S. Turner. The S stands for Super. And myself talking Rex Stout's Nero Wolf. Nero Wolf from 1981, episode 8. Then I discuss Shadow Chasers, episode 12, one of the Four Armed Forces Network episodes. There is no air date on it, but it would have presumably aired in 1986. And then we go back to 1984, right? Early 1984 for episode 4 of Auto Man with the great Kristen Hawes, a.k.a. Kiki Wright's Bookham Dano cast uh, host. And um, she's awesome and uh, everyone's awesome. We're all awesome. We're having a great time. So uh, let's, let's, I'm going to give you a little blast of music and then we will dive right into our discussion of Nero Wolf episode 8. Stout's Nero Wolf, episode 8, March 13th, 1981, Murder by the Book, directed by Bob Kelgen, written by Wallace Ware, and it's based on Murder by the Book, uh, an actual novel, uh, wolf novel, it is for real, I believe, from 1951, don't be mad, and in this one, let me see, there's sort of two things going on, a guy is going to visit Wolf and is killed, and he, he has a relation to a law firm in New York City, and he, um, well, well that, that's related to uh, a young woman who works for a local publisher, uh, a local publisher, New York City publisher, who is killed, and someone else is killed a little later on, and what's happening is, um, in, in some way, the, the guy who's go, going to see Wolf is killed, who's killed, and the young woman who worked for the publisher was killed, and there's another person who's killed, they all have something to do with a manuscript that was sent to a publisher and was initially sort of eh, poo-pooed, but now it's kind of looking into it's a manuscript about um, uh, stuff going on at a possibly illegal stuff going on at a law firm. Boy, it sounds exciting, doesn't it? And Wolf and Archie begin to investigate what the heck this um, the, the the guy was coming to see them and uh, the woman who got killed. The, her sister is is wanting them to to um, join in the investigation, and they sort of begin investigating what what is going on what is this manuscript about why were these people killed why was this guy coming to see wolf and they go to uh, archie goes to the law firm and we meet a bunch of lawyers and all kinds of stuff happens and i'm I'm sort of leave it there we'll we'll go into it as much as we will go into it but yeah it's 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 something to do with the possibility of publishing a book that may or may not sort of out a bunch of jerks at a law firm i'll leave it there uh give you a blast of something tim and i are on the other side Murder by the Book. This one is based on a uh, Rex Stout novel that I haven't read in about two years. So please, be gentle. 
if I forget what's going on. But this is um, this is episode. Where are we? Episode eight, I think. We're past the halfway point of the show, and um, you can you can gauge uh, at this point uh, whether or not uh, you're going to love the show or not. Maybe it will um, turn around in the next batch of episodes if you didn't love it maybe it will do exactly what you wanted to do if you, if you if you have enjoyed it but i'm here with a guy who loves and hates vehemently and i'm not going i'm going to stand back as i introduce <laughs> tim s the s stands for i don't know what the s stands for turner <laughs> that that might be the best intro i've ever had <laughs> well you know well, you know, the, you know, we're we're halfway through the show now, so so we are invested. I, I, I felt like there should be a red carpet or something with the. Look around your look around your place. Maybe something's rolling out. I don't know. No, if actually, don't let anything roll out around there. Just keep keep yourself locked in and and safe. <laughs> so, so, but but how uh, are you, sir? How are you, sir? Uh, uh very very good. Uh, actually, I was wondering, did you get a chance to check out that? obscure Nero Wolf comic strip that I had uh, shown you. You know, you sent it to me, and I was like, oh my gosh, Tim, I'm going to check this out. And I did something I do sometimes, which is I forgot to check it out. <laughs> I looked at it briefly because it looked cool. But yeah. um, I, I, I maybe maybe for the next or, – or did you want to talk about it? Oh, no, I, I just was curious if you had checked it out. Uh, it, it really is very, very short run. It was just less than two years, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, But uh, I, I, it's just an interesting look because you, you don't see uh, Nero Wolf comic books or anything. Think, so. it, yeah, yeah, it's – yeah, it's like the Nero Wolf, See, like the radio show and the things like that. It's like it's so yeah. such a joy. I think that um, that the character w- went to so many places because I mainly know him from like novels and things. So, he, and he's yeah, it's I I need to look him. I'm I'm actually going to write this down. So I, what I want you to do is I want you to tell me what you thought of Murder by the Book while I write down Dan read the comic. <laughs> Go, Dan. Well, actually, I, I I have to say this might be the first time oh, I um, that wrong, that I where I actually liked two episodes in a row. What? <laughs> yeah, it, it was. I thought it was it, it was involving, and again, maybe this is probably because it's based on a novel, mm. as opposed to you know original screenplays. But it's also got a great guest cast. It really it's very stacked with John Randolph and Delta yeah. Burke, oh, and yes. of course David Hedison mm. from Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea and The Fly and all. Yeah, um, yeah I actually enjoy this one a lot, and, and and I have to say, I don't know if this is something you've picked up on. I'm sure you I'm sure you have, but Alan Miller as Inspector Kramer, he's evolving as a character to where he's not as much of an adversary anymore. He seems a lot less hostile. Which I liked. Yes, yes. The 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 uh, was it is the opening? Is it the opening scene of this near the opening where um he comes to see them at in the morning and yes. um and Arch and Nero are uh, both are um are in the kitchen and he shows up. It's like oh sorry to interrupt your breakfast. No, I've already had my because uh, Wolf has his breakfast in in his bedroom. Right. Um, so he's already has breakfast and Arch usually comes down after his eight hours. 
and he has breakfast. But it's like uh, it's like they, they invite Kramer in. It's like, oh, do you want some to eat? Oh, do you want some coffee? And he sits down with them. So it's kind of like it's it's actually it, it's it, it's it's the sort of thing shows did back then. Yeah, which is like you you would watch a character be one way, and then suddenly, like five or six episodes later, you realize that something had evolved. I mean, Kramer gets probably my favorite Kramer scene when he's in this one with Delta Burke when she's crying, and mm-hmm. Delta Burke at this time she was crying. I would have done everything I could to help her out, oh, and she's so I understand. In this episode. Oh, good gravy! Holy crap! Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, but, but I think he has his. My favorite moment of him so far is breakfast with the guys, just having some coffee, shooting the breeze about, you know, killings and things. And and then his scene with Delta Burke. So uh, what, what, what else? What, what else on this episode? Before I go into it, what else do you have? <laughs> well, first of all, it was I think one of the things that was made it what it is, is being directed by uh, Bob Kelgen. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I think so. I think so. Yeah, he he directed a lot of cop TV, right? He did a, he did episodes of Eyeshade and Police Story, yes, uh, Charlie's Angels, even Wonder Woman. But for me, he did both Count Yorga movies. That's right. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's where the. It's funny if I don't look up where the name is from, I forget what. Yes, Count Yorga, super fun, super fun. Films. Yeah, and then he did this. He did uh, Scream, Blackula, Scream as well. That's right. Yes. And which, by the way, the the Blackula films really are underrated. I mean, yeah, people look at them. Yes. I think when they hear the name Blackula, they think camp. But they, really, yeah. William Marshall is amazing He's in those films. Fantastic. And 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 Scream, Blackula, Scream is him and Pam Greer. Yes. And and that that final scene with him. Oh well, that's a spoiler of how it ends. Sorry, <laughs> but but it's it's so good. I mean, it's it's the thing. Like if you're going to your black exploitation, it's it's tricky because, like, to me, <laughs> Blackula is a goofy ass name. Oh I sure. I mean, you know, it's it's um um. Uh, but but the film is is really quite good, and Scream Black and Scream is really quite good. You know, and then you go to like Blackenstein. Well, you're on your own. You know, the man who made Blackenstein also made Skate Town USA. So, <laughs> so you know, you're on your black. Like I said, I saw Blackenstein on a double feature with Doctor Black and Mister Hyde about oh six or seven years ago. <laughs> Doctor Black and Mister Hyde, if you don't don't give him no sass, or he'll kick your ass. <laughs> Doctor Black and Mister Hyde is a hoot, but Blackenstein is in the realm of. I don't even know where Blackenstein isn't quite in the realm of like a Manos or Creeping Terror. Oh, Blackenstein's terrible. <laughs> but but it's 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 yeah it's and I will say that if you go out right now and you buy the Severin Blu-ray, I have of it. Blackenstein. <laughs> uh, there's a quote from me on the back. Hello, me. Oh, um, yeah. Which which is awesome. Um, but d- 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 yeah, it's it's funny. Yeah yeah, he did he did the Count Yorgas and Scream Black and Scream, which are all quite good i mean they're sharp yeah fun i mean that's the thing is like at that time period when you hit horror it was uh and someone maybe me maybe you maybe <laughs> may say it for always naturally um maybe something needs you know um but 
it's it's like that that time period. You know, you got films like Count Yorga and Scream Back to Scream, which are actually good films, regardless of what the titles were. Alongside films like Blackenstein, which are what the hell is Blackenstein? I mean, <laughs> it's like like every ten minutes it seems to be a different film, and it's like I I saw that at the New Beverly Cinema. Um, in in downtown LA, which Quentin Tarantino owns now, and that was one of the few films I've ever seen where, when it started, there were like people were like yelling things at the screen. By about twenty minutes in, everyone was silent. Yeah, and by the end of the film, no one was moving. Now I was jumping up and down because I loved it, but it was one of those weird films where it was like you get that sometimes, <laughs> like 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 a Count Yorga would have had the crowd going, yeah. But something like Blackenstein like makes the crowd go, huh. So Bob Kajelin Kajelin yeah. Yes, he him doing this, I think he does a pretty sharp job on this. So I'm sorry, back to it. Tim, continue. <laughs> no, I, I actually felt that the you know, like we had discussed on, on the the last episode, I actually think this is another one that could have benefited again from a longer runtime. Uh, yes, if it had been yeah, part of that NBC yeah. mystery movie wheel, you know, mm-hmm. um, and this is actually something I've noticed with the three that we've been uh, the last three we've been talking about. No Saul Panzer. Um, yes, he Saul, gets mentioned. Saul, Saul shows up briefly for like thirty seconds in this episode, but yeah. that's it. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. I, I don't really – I don't know why they keep having him in the opening credits when it seems like he's, like, barely there. We're halfway through the series. I think he's appeared, uh, uh, what, twice as a main functioning supporting character? Or? I think so, yeah. Once, Golden Spy – I think twice. And, yeah, here he shows up for, like, a minute, and he's kind of present. He He doesn't look well. He looks like he's, like, jaundiced or something like that yeah, in this episode. yeah. He's just he's just there briefly. Um, I, I will say this episode, even though I enjoyed this episode, the ending of this episode almost made me uh, throw my dinner plate at the TV uh, because it was. Oh boy! And may I just say, Tim always makes a very nice dinner. So if he's going to throw I his do. dinner plate, he is sacrificing <laughs> a meal that he has spent some time. It's not like me. Like I've got I've got some dollar burritos from Target that I'm throwing in the thing. <laughs> I, I I do four of those. So if I have to throw two, I got two to eat. So you got but two Tim, spent. Tim is making the good stuff. So listen, <laughs> listen. Well, okay, and and I I don't know if you remember what I'm referring to, or maybe you do because it was just. It, it was like the – you know how at the end of an episode of Police Squad, they would freeze frame, you know, like, ah, you know. Yes, it's like, of course. And there'd be action going on in the background. The way this ends is with – this doesn't give away any of the, the plot at all, but it ends with Nero giving thumbs up to, oh, Ka, yes. uh, to uh, Archie that he's going to get laid. <laughs> he's like, satisfactory. <laughs> freeze frame. <laughs> You know, and I was like, "Oh my God, <laughs> what is happening?" I, I don't, I don't, um, I, I don't disagree that what he said was incorrect, but yeah, that's that's what happens at the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah. They send it's like Delta Burke leaves, and um, 
um, and Nero's like, oh, she was very nice, Archie. Well, you're going to see her again. She's coming over for dinner this evening. And they've already established that, you know, she kind of has a room to stay there if she wants yes. to stay. And so it's like, and thumbs up. And it's like, ooh. And he's got like a, and he has like, he's working on the orchid. So he has like a, a glove on. A white like glove. A surgical yeah. glove. So he does that. And it's like, oh, dear. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I don't mind expanding the character of um you know Nero Wolf um but that like that seems uh, a bit much to me I mean cuz we had what was it um was it the last episode of the previous one where Archie is making out with a gal in the yes, office Yes this is the last episode yeah and 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 Wolf's in the in the uh elevator going up and he's like yeah Archie it's like okay well yeah it's two episodes in a row where it ends with Archie clearly getting some getting a bit and, yeah, and, and, and you're and like satisfactory satisfactory <laughs> and it's oh dear okay <laughs> yeah it's um i you know oh man <laughs> you know it's like you know it's it's like you know we we all have our um you know if if you love if you love the detectives and you love the detective fiction. Yes. You love um, sort of their the parameters that they live within. You know, if you read the Rex Stout novels, if you read the, the the Conan Doyle canon, you read your Poros, you read your Miss Marples, stuff like that. And 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 part of the one of the fun things is to see the moments when folks will branch out. You know, and they'll do like say one of my all time favorite films made by the director of um, Night of the Comet and Soul Survivor uh, without yes. a clue. Yeah. Uh, Michael Caine as um, as Sherlock Holmes who's a dope. <laughs> yeah. And, and Ben Kingsley as Dr. Watson as it should be I would think um, is is the smart guy. You know, and, and you see that and it's like, it's funny like to me when I watch that film I saw that my Uncle Raj, who introduced me to Sherlock Holmes, Monty Python, Doctor Who, uh, the Moody Blues, um, King Crimson, all sorts of bands and TV shows and things that I loved, um, and I still love, um, we went to see that the opening weekend, Sunday, the Sunday that Without a Clue came out. We went to see it. It was a good crowd. We laughed. We had a great time. We saw reviews later that said it wasn't very good, and we were confused. <laughs> and but 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 that's sort of one of, one of the fun things is like to me, like if I'm gonna watch some Sherlock Holmes, you know, I stuff. I'll watch a Jeremy Brett. I might watch a Basil Rathbone. I might watch an episode of Elementary. I might watch uh, Murder by Decree, which just came out on Blu-ray, the Bob Clark film, which is gorgeous. Um, Private Life of Sherlock Holmes, the Billy Wilder film, you know. But but then I'll also include Without a Clue, because that's part of the fun. You know, it's fun to see the the changes and the the moving around and the the shifting of the characters. However, Wolf basically giving thumbs up to Archie, more or less getting some at the end of two episodes in a row. <laughs> I don't mean to sound like a prude, but I'm a little, I don't know. I don't know. Although both of the ladies, especially Delta Burke, I, oh, but both of them, I'm, you know, I'm on board, Archie. You know, have a, have a good evening. You work hard. Yeah. God bless you with the early eighties Delta, Delta Burke. Oh, <laughs> <oof>. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, she's, I, I mean, she's honestly absolutely just breathtaking in the episode. 
she is. Yeah, yeah. And 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 the moment she sh- and then and well, she gets that scene <laughs> with Inspector Kramer, which, like I said, I think is his his best scene. Yeah. Um. And um. Uh. And she's just great throughout. And uh, Archie, I think Archie Archie is sort of getting that is becoming more like B.J. McKay as this <laughs> series is going along. You know, because B.J. and B.J. and the Bear at the end of every episode. You you don't you rarely you rarely got an episode where like BJ and the leading lady like spent a quality evening together. Sure. But 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 you would get at the end of every episode you would get a moment where they'd like they kiss and maybe it would either be implied well it would generally imply that B, B, Mr McKay has to leave and he's giving you a kiss and the kiss is yeah the good stuff and then they cut to the monkey like covering its eyes or something yes exactly or drinking (laughs) beer or something like that yeah and or or it would be more along less along the lines of oh okay we solved whatever it is we have to solve and i don't have my next haul till tomorrow morning so we're here tonight smooch yeah (laughs) kind of thing so it's funny because i know glenn a larson wasn't involved with this but i want to ask was he an advisor on this, possibly? He was like, well, you know, I just did a show called BJ and the Bear, which folks seem to enjoy. And there was a good-looking guy, like Lee Horsley, and, you know, he gets a good-looking gal in every episode, you know. And apart from the one with um, Anne-Marie Martin, where she plays the witch who gets killed, which is my least favorite episode of BJ and the Bear. Don't make me talk about that. <laughs> um, all the episodes, it's pretty much like... Yeah, you know, whether it's one of the Lander sisters or um Demi Moore. Is it? No. <laughs> yeah, de- well, yeah, the master was, was That's uh, what I was thinking uh, of was like was yeah, the master cuz like Vincent Van Patten like every episode yes, he's got to make yeah, out with the lead. Yeah, exactly. Lady. Yeah, the same thing. The same thing. Yeah, the the master did the same thing. Glenn Larson. Sort of we Yes. Uh, well, that was um who did the master? It was um well, I thought it was what's Glenn Larson. I I'm going to have to look it up. I think it's um I actually think I have Oh, where'd my set go? Oh, I had it right here. Okay, no, it's um, uh, the um, what's his name? The guy who did uh, Robert Klaus, oh, Enter the Dragon and such. Oh, see, he did, it he just did. it felt like a Glenn Larson. It does, it you does. know, no, kind you're of. Uh, you're not wrong. Yeah. yeah, no, um, but that's actually that's what I love about this because Archie is seeming to become like a B.J. McKay or like um. The Van Patten character from The Master. Yeah. Um, this this is how I leave a bar. <laughs> kind of thing. Um, and so, Max so he's, Yes, exactly. <laughs> Max Keller. Um, uh, and and oh. so this this is kind of it's it's I I, I kind of like that actually. I'm interested to see if they're going to keep doing that because this is not a bad episode. There's a lot going. I mean, John Randolph is in it for heaven's sake. I love John Randolph. John Randolph is so good. He's so much fun. I mean, he is. I know him from so many things, but I always remember him from the Bob Newhart show episode, the Thanksgiving one, mm-hmm. not the one where they get drunk, but the other one, <laughs> um, with the fam. Both um, the parents show up. And um, why don't you stuff it, Martha? Um, where um, um, where where um, uh, uh, both their parents show up and they disrupt the. Jeez, um, is it an American Family? That might be the name of the episode. Mm. And it's um, and it's Bob's and I forgot Suzanne Plachette's character's name. What, help me out. Oh God. Uh, 
Um, you know. Oh, you're killing me, dude. I, oh, and no, I know no, it. So, yeah, I know it, too. Um, oh, good Lord. Emily, 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 Emily. Emily, yes. Is where Bob and so it's the Thanksgiving episode. <laughs> Sorry, Thank where God. Bob. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the Thanksgiving episode where Bob and Emily's parents show up. I think it's season two. It might be season three, and they both kind of disrupt what's going on because Bob's parents are Bob's mom is very control freak, and Emily's dad is John Randolph. And he's like, "Hey, I just showed up with this thing, and we're gonna have fun." And I always kind of remember him from that. I also kind of remember him because on occasion I've thought he was Carl Reiner. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> he's, he's not, but I no, I, I think um, for me, uh, I remember him from, you remember the show Lucan? Uh, the, it was, I definitely, the kid was raised I, I by wolves or whatever. It was a Fox I, show or not Fox show, I, CBS, I think. I have a very good friend whose initials are A.R., one of her <laughs> or his, I won't give it away, favorite shows. So we may be talking about that <laughs> at one point on here. Yeah, I think uh, she would have an idea. Uh, he was also on yes, uh, yes. a regular on Richie Brockelman, Private Eye, uh, which oh, I yes. enjoyed too. With Dennis Dugan, yep, yep, Shadow Chasers, yeah. Which honestly, wow. I for a long time, for some dumb reason, I thought that that was a spinoff of Columbo. With the mm. character that he played in Last Salute to the Commodore, I thought that they oh. took his character and spun it off. And I was like, oh, no, it's really not. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I never thought of that. Well, yeah, well, he was all over the place at that time. Well, yeah, he, wow, you know, yeah. And, and Randolph, of course, I actually, the only reason I remember this is because I just watched it today. Uh, John Randolph was on uh, the uh, Johnny Cash episode of Columbo. Uh, oh, wow. That's a good one, yeah. Although his scene is completely extraneous and adds nothing to the, the plot, it was, yeah, it was padding. But yeah. <laughs> so um, so let's. Uh, what else do you have on this one? I'm gonna scan my notes. I think we might be done. I don't know, folks. Well, we... I, you know, okay. Anytime we get to see David Hedison, sure, it sure. It, it, uh, it makes the ten year old in me smile because I was a big Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea fan. Oh sure, yeah. Um, when I was growing up and. And also, you know, the only guy I think until recently to play Felix Leiter twice. Yes, you are correct. Live and Let Die and License to Kill. Yeah, he, right? he gets that... his legs bit, uh, bitten off. Yes, and License to Kill. Yeah. Oh, and oh, that's, um, it's such a good, such a good film. It's uh, he has that great the... note pinned to him that says he uh, disagreed with something that ate something... him. Yep. 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 <laughs> yep. Yeah, that that was the one I remember. I saw that in the theater with my stepdad, and that's the one that ends with the um, uh, Mac the 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 eighteen wheel wheeler chase. Yes. where one of them like goes on the side wheels oh, as the God. rocket, and which is super fun. But my stepdad was like, "Oh, that wouldn't." I'm out. <laughs> out loud, yeah, like out loud in the theater, he said that. <laughs> I was like, "Are you kidding me? We're in a James Bond film. This isn't a National Geographic." Yeah, hey, this is James Bond film, man. Eh? Do, do you remember when that you know that car did the loop the loop in Man with a Golden Gun? You did. This is you know this is this is James Bond film Rocket, man. Yeah, let, let, let let's be honest here. This is the series that that killed off a villain by sticking an air capsule in his mouth and inflating him until he blew up. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. 
<laughs> yes, this this is oh. not. Yeah, if if you're really going to call, because I think they actually did that stunt. Uh, yeah, and this is not a James Bond podcast, but I think they actually, <laughs> you know, that stunt is actually for real that they're doing there. You know, with the with the thing on the two wheels, um, yeah. that just it just happens for like five seconds, but still. That's enough for the for the shot. But I just remember my stepdad being like, "Oh, Danny, I am leaving." No, he wasn't quite like that. But he was like, "Oh," and I was like, "No, Dad, come on. This is good stuff, just, Dad. <laughs> just sit for a minute. Come on, you're you're five minutes from the end of this two hour and fifty minute long film, and you're gonna leave during this. Get out. Come on. <laughs> well, you know, but yeah, I, I actually thought this was another solid episode, and yes. um, it, it was good to see a lot of these these faces and that's one of the things that's been nice with this show. And I think is typical eighties drama, uh, that they had a lot of character faces to draw from that were looking for work. And, uh, so it it was nice to see them. And David has, I mean, he doesn't get a lot of scenes, but you know, it's just good to see him. uh, Cause at this point, I don't think he was working a lot, but, uh, Mm. No, it, yeah, it is good to see. Whenever I see his name, I always think, "Oh!" And I never fully remember until I look up why I go "Oh" when I see his name. But I'm like, "Oh yes, of course, yeah, of course, yeah." So, yep, Captain so, yeah, Crane. It's, yeah, it's a. I, th- I think it's a solid episode. Again, it. I think less so than the previous one. Mm. Uh, it, I, I think like the previous episode could have used an extra. 20 or 30 minutes this one could would have been nice but not quite as much mm. i think i think the only problem i have with sort of the mystery of this one is that i rarely guess who the killer is but in this one i was like the moment i saw someone and i won't say who it is <laughs> i was like oh they did it i say i did and too I, <laughs> and i was right so yes. so i i think i think maybe I, I didn't go back to the book, but I think maybe if if it had more time to spread out, it, it that may not have been as obvious. But I think it's fairly obvious. Well, now yeah. now why they're doing now the why is another question. Right. That that's that's the thing. The the who is one question. The why is another question. I, I think that um, the big problem with it is, and again, this goes back to being maybe too short. Is that they introduce his character, uh, or her <coughs> character? <laughs> darn it! Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that happens. They introduce the character, and then you don't see them again until the end of the episode, and it's like true. Yes. Huh. Yeah. So this is yeah. a decent sized name, and mm. we only saw them like once or twice. Gee, I wonder yeah. if they're going to be the killer. Yeah, yeah, that's the tricky thing. Yeah, um, I think, <laughs> I think like. Say like Ellery Queen gets it much, does it much better in the mid seventies. Well, that was also like Levinson that. and Lincoln. They they, they, they really knew sharper. how to craft a mystery. They're, did they did a they job. Knew, yeah, they 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 were sharper. I I do feel like as I watch this that it's like the folks who have been given and and we'll wrap it up here, everyone. Uh, the, the folks who have been given um, the Nero Wolf, um, okay, um, are kind of flying by the seat of their pants. Sort of like, hey, what's going on? Hey, you know, like no one's like sitting down and going, okay, we need to do this and we need to do this. It's like they have like a half a dozen things like, oh, orchids, oh, Archie, oh, the brownstone, oh, this. And they're just kind of like just throwing out whatever they can. Whereas Ellery feels more like 
they sat down and were like, well, well, we know they did because they did the the TV movie with Peter Lawfer before that. Yes. Um, we know they kind of sat down and were like, okay, we love this. And because the thing with Ellery Queen is that only maybe the, the TV movie and maybe two episodes of the show are actually based on Ellery Queen stuff. All the other stuff is original. Yeah. And and it works. As as a fan of Ellery Queen's novels, to me it works. Whereas this show is very iffy throughout. <laughs> I really honestly never... Which is part of the fun of watching it. Which is why I'm also glad there are only 14 episodes. Because if this were like 100 episodes, I'd be going mad. But <laughs> p- part of the fun is like, are they going to get it? Or are they just going to do a random cop detective show and put these characters in this one? I think they get it. I, I w- yeah. I, I think that what the, what they do well with the show is I think, I think the brownstone looks good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think Conrad is, is a great wolf and I, I actually yeah. really like Lee Horsley. Um, I'm yeah. He's, he's growing on me with each episode. I like him a little bit more. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And I like, I like the supporting cast with Fritz mm-hmm. and Theodore. I think they're, they're great too. And I think we discussed this early. I went back and we talked about the golden spiders is that mm. I, I would like a Christmas episode of them just yes. hanging out around yes. the, the brownstone just uh, with uh, you know wolf being a pain in the ass to Fritz in the kitchen and just, you know, stuff like that. I, cause, cause that stuff is golden. That stuff yes. is, is everything. It feels authentic, and it's fun. It works, yeah. It it's works. when they get, I think, more into the standard crime story that it starts feeling like what it is, which is 1981 network crime drama. Yes, yes, and 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 I, I think feel like William Connor is doing his best to wolf it. And Lee Horsley, I think, is doing his best to Archie it. But yeah. I, I just, like like I said, I, I feel like maybe the people who were in charge were like, oh, what what do we got? Nero Wolf? Oh, sure, yeah, what is that about? Is that like, um, I don't know, is that like Call of the Wild? Is that wolf-related? What What is that about? Is that, it's a werewolf. Oh, it's Nero. Oh, he's a detective. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay, I got it. We'll read some of the books and we'll get right back to you. I feel like it's like, there's sort of... If they had had a season or something, they may have caught up to it. But I, I don't feel like they've actually caught up to where they need to be. I feel like they're a little off. Like the episode, either the episodes are incorrect, sometimes fun, but incorrect, or they're way too short for where they need to be. I don't, I don't feel like they've got to. And that's the thing with the short-lived shows, folks, uh, on here, is that sometimes they don't, we don't get there. Um, so so I, I feel like they're still struggling to get the format yeah. they need the show to be. And I would say that after this one, they're not there yet. But sometimes they're really almost getting there, which is fun. And... Yeah, and I'd love to see that Christmas episode. I'd love it if it was two hours long. Sure. I'd love to be a lot of Christmas carols. I'd love if folks, sh- every time folks showed up at the door randomly, um, and maybe like folks showed up at the door like every 10 minutes or so, and you thought it was going to be a case, but it was something else, like they were going to the wrong place. But but every time they showed up at the door, you could see the snow coming down, and it was clearly cold. 
And then Kramer yeah. shows up, and uh, Kramer shows up. And- he's got a gift, and they both him and Nero sit across the table at each other, looking just glaring at each other. <laughs> and yeah, glaring at each other, and then both of them reveal that they have a gift for one another. Maybe yeah. it's the same gift. I don't know. Yeah, they I don't know. The same. <laughs> I don't know, but that I think I think that would be so much fun. I mean, because they there was a cr- Christmas. Um, Christmas near a wolf thing, uh, which we won't talk about here, but which is fun. And if you if you do the uh, two thousand two thousand one near a wolf series, there is a um, there is a um, uh, uh, Christmas episode, which is a lot of fun. But um, so I, I guess um, yeah, that's murder by the book. What else? Do you have anything else on this one, Tim? I think I'm good. Yeah, I, I think I'm I'm pretty pretty good on this one too. Awesome. So where where are you? Where are are you okay, Tim? <laughs> I, so are you far right? so where good. <laughs> Yay! Where are you online? Well, uh, my co-star, co-host, and I, uh, Kelly Hogaboom, uh, we host Beauty the Beast and the Bees, a B movie podcast, and we're on SoundCloud and iTunes. Look us up, and we also have the usual Facebook, Instagram, Twitter feeds, and we have our uh, our page, our website which is at uh, bbnbs.net, and all our episodes are on there, um, our past ones and and future ones. And uh, right now, uh, the episode we just did that, uh, well, by the time this airs, it'll already have been out, but uh, we, we did the, the new Invisible Man with Elizabeth Moss. Uh, we did <laughs> Stalked by My Doctor with Eric Roberts, which, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you got to see that to believe huh. it. Uh, and, uh, oh, God, what was the other one that we did? Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, Bloody Moon, the uh, oh, Jess Franco, Franco. Jallo oh, slash slasher, yeah. which is, which is again, screwball. Yes, much like Stock, Stock by My Doctor needs to be seen to be believed. <laughs> yes. I enjoy the show. I have not heard that episode, but any any time you bring on Bloody Moon, I I am a Jess Franco fan. My my problem with Jess Franco is that my favorite films of his are the ones that Jess Franco fans don't really like, <laughs> and Bloody Moon is one of them. Oh, I, I adore, I adore Bloody, Bloody Moon. Moon. Oh my God, it's so screwball. And I may I recommend if you haven't seen it, uh, Dracula Prisoner Frankenstein. Oh wow, I um, haven't seen that one. From '72, it's also known as the Screaming Dead. It's basically it's a monster mash. It's um, Doctor Frankenstein brings to life Dracula and the Frankenstein monster, and a werewolf attacks them. It's um, <laughs> Why not? it's '72 or '73. Screaming Dead, Dracula, Prisoner, Frankenstein. It's super fun. Um, he made it around the time he made the erotic rites of Frankenstein, mm. which is also fun. But I prefer the monster mash. That's just my thing. Is it crafted with the same uh, careful attention to detail as most of Jess Franco's films? That's one of the things I love about Jess Franco is that Uh, there are people who will punch you in the mouth for saying that Jess Franco's films are not beautifully crafted. Um, But you can watch them and think, like, there are a lot of zooms, and he was making, like, you know, you make 12 films a year. Yes. You know, what was it, like, 73 or 74? Somewhere in there he made, like, I I remember, like, somewhere around here I have Phil Hardy's Encyclopedia of Horror Movies. I've got that right here. (laughs) Yes, and, and in, like, 73 or 74, there's a review of one of Jess Franco's films that says, this is, like, it's like, this is a pretty good film considering Franco made 12 films this year. (laughs) 
I, I, like, yeah, I, yeah, well, there you go. Then why not? I, I, I find his best films are his early black and white ones. Those are super fun. It, it almost yeah. feels like after that, it feels like he just kind of stopped caring. And was like, well, I got to get this in the can. I don't need to do any it's, artistic setups or camera angles, you know. <laughs> it's it's funny because yeah, it's 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 weird because like part of me is like, if if someone were to hand me the entire ouvrage of Franco from Awful Doctor Orloff to one of the Killer Barbie films or whatever he made right before he died, I would legitimately sit down. And watch every single one of them in order. Well, they're there's, they're all interesting. Yes, the terrible ones. Yes, but but if if someone can't do that, I have to pick and choose because I only have so much time in my life before the good Lord takes me away, <laughs> and so I can't watch every one of them. So it's like I'm gonna watch Bloody Moon again. I'm gonna watch Dracula, Prisoner Frankenstein. I'm gonna do Awful Doctor Orloff. I'm gonna do. Um, uh, oh, uh, Oasis of the Zombies or um, yes. uh, Faceless. Do a Diabolical Doctor Z. Have you seen that Blu-ray? It's amazing. I, I have not seen the Blu-ray, but I have seen the film, and I think it's a fine film. The yeah, Blu-ray is gorgeous. He he is a hell of a filmmaker who is also a hell of a filmmaker. If I can <laughs> distinguish those two, I get it. Uses of the word hell. So so I'm excited. I I I'm excited. I I've not heard that episode of of you guys. Uh, podcast, but but I am um, I am excited to hear that. So um, so let's wrap it up. I'm sorry we've gone on a long time. I don't even remember what we talked about. Probably something great. Jess Franco mainly. <laughs> so um, this is a Jess Franco cast episode ninety, um, and we're not even one quarter of the way into Jess Franco's films. I'm kidding. But um, thank you. Uh, I'm so I'm glad that, that I was able to join you uh, so we could talk about Snoop Sisters. Oh, that's fantastic! I'm dying to watch some Snoop Sisters. I wasn't was Snoop Sisters. Um, um, was that um Leonard Stern? Did Leonard Stern do oh, that? Oh God, Snoop probably. I, I feel like possibly because it, I love Leonard Stern. Get smart, sure. And and, and so uh, if it's Leonard Stern, I'm interested in watching. So I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up. So let's let's thank you everyone. This was episode who knows of Nero Wolf. We're about to go on to another Shadow Chasers in the Armed Forces Network era. And this one actually this one is a really good one. Uh listen to this. Shadow Chasers, episode 12, Blood and Magnolias, the third of the Armed Forces Network episodes, uh, which means we don't have an official air date for it. Directed by Chuck Bowman, written by Marianne Kasika and Michael Sheff, who wrote the previous episode, which is which is pretty cool to have, to have two in a row. You, they, you get their stamp on the show. And uh, this one begins, well, this one begins with a woman sort of combing her hair in sort of a lovely... I guess sort of Victorian-esque looking rather large building. Not mansion, but but large building. Large house, sorry, building. 
And um, then uh, she's sitting there. It's nighttime. She's combing her hair. She's getting ready for bed. All of a sudden, a bat flies in the room and becomes a man with a cape and everything. And that man approaches her, and he has some sort of strange dagger or something or something with uh, with like a little little ruby or some such on I, it's and and he kind of approaches her and she screams and then he leans in at her neck and you see like some blood hit a curtain oh no and jonathan who uh was trying to go on a um to a symposium in tahiti is stopped by dr morehouse and sent to north carolina to investigate this and benedict joins him and when I'm going to play the first soundbite here is they are on their way down there to visit. I believe her name is Joan, uh, the woman who got bit. Or, or the woman who, who has the, the bat and the man in, in the room of the Batman. Um, and uh, Joan was a, was a student of Jonathan's. And I will just play the short scene. Uh, their car's got a flat tire and they're sitting inside the road more or less in the middle of the... Well, it's not, it's not the middle of the night. Um... Oh, it could be, but but it's 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 at night, and they are discussing vampires. You know, I'm looking at this letter, and the more I do, the, the more I realize that Joan is probably a victim of a vampire. There's nothing to substantiate that theory. What? She's got all the classic symptoms: dizziness, exhaustion, losing track of time, post-graduation anxiety syndrome. What is all this stuff in here? That there? Yes. Oh, it's a vampire detective. Made in Japan. But a big seller in Bucharest. What's going on, right? Look! Vampire bats! They're just ordinary bats. No, they are. Look, there's one with a fang. Oh, yeah, and that's one with a cape. <laughs> How can you be dead sure that Dracula isn't up there somewhere flying in formation? Because Dracula is a fictitious character based on a 15th century Transylvanian tyrant who had a reputation for being incredibly bloodthirsty. Sounds like a vampire to me, buddy. Nothing supernatural about him. He just used to impale his enemies on spikes. Okay, so he had a bad temper. How'd he do it? Would you like me to show you? They arrive at Joan's house and find she's dead. She's died of uh, severe anemia. And her cousin, I believe, Allison Collingswood, is there. And um, kind of, well, chats with them for a little bit and says, you know, it's, it's you know... Um, you know, it's too bad you had to come all the way out here, but you know she's she's passed. And but the guys say, uh, you know, we're we're going to investigate it a bit. And there are two kind of guys standing off to one side, going, "Who are those two guys over there?" And uh, Benedict goes um, because he's interested in vampires and such. He goes and he talks to two old ladies having some punch. Benedict, uh, Benedict, you wouldn't be one of the Atlanta Benedicts, would you? Uh, no, it's it's Benedek. I'm part of the Bronx Benedek. Oh, I didn't know that branch of the family. Yeah, well, it's not a branch. It's more like a tumbleweed. Oh. Tragedy about Joan, isn't it? I personally don't believe the rumor about her death. Nothing worse than people who spread rumors. Which rumor? Well, I don't like to spread rumors, especially ones about vampires. Ah, the legend. Yeah, the old legend. How did that get started? This is a very old town, Sugar. Some of our ancestors were the very first settlers here. 
The very first colony in America was built not too far from here on Roanoke Island in 1587. Three years later, everyone mysteriously disappeared. That's right. So that's the legend. No, it's fact, honey. They're in your history book. Well, now the legend has it that one by one the colonists were killed by a vampire. Somehow the survivors buried him someplace and he's been there ever since, waiting to get out. Some people will believe anything. Well, you have to believe your eyes, honey. All those bats in the nighttime sky all of a sudden, and folks getting sick, and Joan dying. The whole town's in an uproar. Whoa, bats in the nighttime sky. That's amazing. Nobody knows where they come from. I know where they're from. Indian Hollow. Well, don't you go there. That's where he was. That place is cursed. It is not. It is too. It's not. It's too. It is not. It's too. It's not. And after that conversation, they go and have a chat with the local doctor who diagnosed Joan, and apparently there have been quite a few of these sort of anemia cases happening lately. And Jonathan and Benny think it might have something to do with the bats that they've seen. So uh, the two of them and Allison go out to find a um the, the old ladies mentioned the place the the old ladies mentioned where um there you know there's a cave where a vampire may have been buried kind of thing and they get lost but those two guys who um uh actually it's funny those those two guys the two sort of rednecky guys you see in the in the funeral scene are also in the hospital now who are those guys and they pull up in like a pickup truck when Jonathan um uh, Benny and Elson are, are uh, lost and say, oh yeah, go down this road and you'll get to where you want to go. They end up stuck in mud. Allison ends up in quicksand. Her clothes are a mess and they end up finding a huge Victorian mansion in the middle of nowhere. And who should answer the door but Mr. Cameron Mitchell. And he gives uh, Allison a dress, uh, not lovely dress, saying, you know, that was my wife's dress. And Jonathan and, and Benedict are kind of sneaking around. And after a bit, they have a, they have a chat with Mr. Mitchell who they think might be a vampire. Well, Benny does. This one here is X-rated. Well, well, well. John Boy, your vampires avoid mirrors like the plague. What's your explanation for that? I don't have one. <laughs> Shall I explain? Yeah. Well, I'm afraid you've stumbled on an old man's vanity my age, I don't like to be reminded of the ravages of time. Of course, we understand. I telephoned the tow truck. Gas station's nearby. He'll be here soon. Thank you very much, Mr. Greaves. Call me Edwin. I must apologize for the state of my home. But I've been away until recently. I've been recuperating from some heart problems. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm very sorry to hear that. Uh, how long have you lived here? I was born here. So you know the legend of the vampire? Yes. Of course. Gentlemen, a goddess deigns to visit this human sphere. Come and see for yourselves. Ring my southern bell. Wonderful. Why, thank you, concert. Positively ravishing. 
Yeah, so it looks like this guy might be a vampire, and he has a servant who, who helps him out there. Who's, who he says uh, uh, the servant's only been working with him for a while. This, this Cameron Mitchell's been in the hospital. His character's been in the hospital for a while, and the servant's only been there for a little bit of time. And, and Benny tries to take pictures of the uh, Cameron Mitchell, but there's all kinds of craziness. No, no, I did not tell you you could take my picture. And, you know, there's a... Uh, they, they, you know, there's the, the, all the mirrors in the house are covered and everything, so it seems very vampire-y. So while Cameron Mitchell's character seems to be kind of drawn to Allison, who he says reminds him of his wife, and, um, you know, in a very vampiric fashion, uh, Jonathan and Benny are investigating uh, this caves, the, these caves, and I am... Um, I won't go. I won't go too crazy on it here because I won't mention what happens. But it's basically, there might be a vampire. There also might be something going on, and it might have something to do with those crazy rednecks. And I'll stop right here. We'll take a breath. Penultimate episode of Shadow Chasers. As I said way back at the beginning here, this is one of the shows that got me to. Um, the the impetus behind like like Super Train, for example. I've only watched the first two episodes of Super Train. What is it? The 90-minute pilot and the first episode. I think it's the first episode. There's one with Dick Van Dyke. Um, and I've only watched those two. I thought they were pretty good. Um, but, uh, you know, I haven't watched uh, Super Train yet. But, but shows like, say, Cliffhangers and this one are shows that I, I really enjoy. And the weird thing about Shadow Chasers with this episode, and I'll just, I'll just say, here, let, let me just say real quick, I'll give you my overall thoughts on it. I think it's an excellent episode. I, I think it's quite a good episode. It's um, It's got a lot of... Um, what I like about it is it seems to be going in one direction, and then we think it's going kind of splits off. You know, the big question being, what, who are those two redneck guys? And then when you think it's kind of going in one direction, it looks like it's going one way. It splits off and goes two different directions, and the one direction is, is resolved easily. Uh, the second one, not so much. And in fact, they leave a little bit of it open-ended. They, they have one of those endings where it's like Jonathan's like, okay basically like Jonathan is you know that wasn't a vampire and and Benny pulls up a fact and says well what about this but the fact he pulls up is the least of the facts that could make this guy a vampire which is interesting that they don't they don't sort of over sell it um they of course bring up the lost colony of Roanoke which is cool I mean I mean the lost colony of Roanoke is cool it's tragic as far as we know we don't know the history of it but the concept that maybe it was a vampire <laughs> that came over from the old country with the settlers is something I don't remember reading in the history books and I don't think Leonard Nimoy mentioned that in search of I'd have to go double check that one but I like when they tie in these these elements that a vampire may have come over and destroyed the lost colony of Roanoke and was hidden away in a cave for 400 years. I just watched um, a film recently called Frankie and His Pals, where Frankenstein, the mummy, Wolfman, Hunchback, and Dracula are trapped in a cave, and they get loose looking for gold on Halloween night, and it's, it's a lot a lot of fun. It made me think of, think of this. It has a... <clears throat> it has a slightly muddled feeling to it. I don't know if that's the direction or what it is, but... And what what I mean by that is the the first time I watched this because um, I just watched this I just literally finished watching it ten minutes before I'm talking to you um, about it right now for the second time in four days the first time I watched it uh, uh, which was the first time in like four years uh, was about three days before this 
and keep all that in mind. I'm, I'm going to, going to be, there's going to be a quiz about it afterwards. But when I watched it three days ago, I was like, mm, okay, that seems a bit overdone, and it's not. It could be more exciting, and I mean, it and and it just seems a little muddled. The second time through, however, when you pay closer attention and you know where certain things are going, they actually signpost everything pretty well, and they do a pretty sweet job of, of taking. I really. Geez, I want to ruin it, but I don't want to ruin it because I was, I liked it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying this isn't like, this isn't going to rock your world. You know, this isn't going to, this isn't going to be the most, this isn't like, you know, the most amazing thing you've ever seen. This is going to be like, if you've ever seen like the singing detective and you get to the end of the singing detective when revelations occur and things, you know, it's not, it's not like, um, you know, a great season of Doctor Who, modern day Doctor Who, where you'll get to the finale and things will happen. You're like, oh my gosh. You know, it, it isn't like. It isn't like that. It isn't like um, it isn't like Mozart's Forty First Symphony, uh, the uh, and the the finale when all the themes match up and everything. It isn't like Quadrophenia, the rock when all the themes match up. But it is a nice moment. It is a nice episode. It is a nice sort of moment in time where they uh, it, it it works really well. I mean, like I said, it's not it's not the most exciting episode. It moves at a decent pace. It's never boring, but it's not. And that's one of the things we said with the show before, is if you go into this expecting the X-Files or a modern-day sort of supernatural thing, you're probably going to be disappointed. It's not that kind of thing. It's, it is slower-paced. It has, it has a decent pace. It is slower-paced. It's a little more, I don't know, timid, possibly. I mean, the ending sequence is pretty, pretty, pretty good. But, oh gosh, I really don't want to ruin the ending. I, I'd kind of like to leave it where it is. Um... You know, and I think I will. I think I will for this one. Normally, I take it up to the end and I ruin these. Um, but with this one, I'm going to kind of leave it where it is. Uh, I, I guess the... Yeah. I'm good. You get Cameron Mitchell, who may or may not be a vampire. You get these two redneck guys. You get this woman who died of anemia. You get other people who are sick from the anemia but haven't died from it. You get the legends of these vampires. And you get um, Allison being pursued by Cameron Mitchell and maybe... Having the same, I I will I will leave it at sort of the point where she ends up in the hospital with the same thing that all these other people have had, and um, geez, I'll, I'll spoil anything if I say any more. So I'm just going to leave it, leave that right there. And just, I say I think it's a pretty sharp episode. Now I know what you're saying, Dan. Um, the episode has um, uh, Marshall's mom in it from Erie, Indiana, Mary Margaret Humes. Uh, she's she's great, uh, and so that's one of the reasons. Well, you, you you may not like all her outfits in this, but it's her, and uh, so that's one of the reasons why you like it. Sure, possibly. Um, the the other one is that not only is she in it, but she falls in quicksand. That's some sort of fetish that you didn't realize you had until you saw this episode. And I would say to that, yes and no. I, I do like I, I, um, I do like Mary Margaret uh, Humes. Uh, Hume, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, and I do like quicksand. They're two great tastes I never thought would go great together until a little while ago. But um, So I, I think back when we were talking about Burbage, Reed Mitchell and myself, I said that if you put quicksand in something, to me that increases the entertainment value probably by about 437%. And this has a brief quicksand scene, a very brief quicksand scene in it, but quicksand nevertheless. One, once you know quicksand is in the area, it ain't like Chekhov's gun, but you know it's in the area. 
boom. Uh, what else in this one? I'm not going to do it. I'm sorry. I'm fighting with myself here not to spoil it. Um, because there there were... Here's the thing. This, this morning, about 10 hours ago, I got up and I went for a walk. About a 90-minute walk. And during the walk, I do something that makes me look like a crazy person, but but it does have its charms. Um, if I know I'm going to record something like this, I'll kind of work through in my mind what I'm going to say. And so I spent, literally, I spent probably 40 to 45 minutes talking about what I'm saying to you right now, which will take probably 20 to 25 minutes. And most of what I've said, I'm not saying to you now because most of it is spoiler-related, but most of it was disappointed with the first time I watched it. Like I said, I found it overcomplicated, muddled, and not um, terrifically engaging. The second time through, however, I did find it engaging. I will I, I, I will say just, just two things that I, I mentioned this morning. I won't say any more about it. But two things I said to myself when I was working through this. I mentioned two movies. Both of which I believe came out in 86. I could be wrong. Um, I didn't look them up because I wasn't going to mention them, but I thought I'd just bring it up right now. Both of them came out in the vicinity of 86, and that is Fright Night and Redneck Zombies. Go from there. And, yeah, I, I think the second time, too, I think that's what it might be with some of these Shadow Chasers is, not not, not with all of them, but I think I remember in my mind this being one of my all-time favorite shows of anything. And it's, it's clearly not, if you listen to the episodes. But I think overall, I, I enjoyed seeing maybe Bourbon Street Beat more. The, the problem is that Bourbon Street Beat follows um, a template. It follows this popular 77 Sunset Strip template. Shadow Chasers really doesn't sort of follow any proper template because this supernatural sort of thing it's doing wasn't really a thing in the mid-80s. I mean, yes, there were supernatural things going on and stuff like that, but this wasn't really a thing like this, mixing the comedy with the horror. And I will say that Benedict has some of his best comedy in this. It's not always going to make you laugh out loud, but he's got a lot of great moments. And the moment he's at the elevator and he's standing there with Allison and... Um, uh, um, and Jonathan, and they hit the button on the elevator, and they're waiting for it. And he's like, do you know how you find a bat? How? Ask a bat boy. Whoa! And he does a little hand bone and points at the elevator, and the door is open. He's like, I'm on a roll! It's not particularly funny, but it's charming, and there's a lot of verve. And um, his response to Jonathan's outfit, when Jonathan thinks he's going to Tahiti in the beginning, is, is great. Can I just say... I understand what Dr. Morehouse is doing. She has her little peccadillos, and she's sending Jonathan on these uh, investigations that she, I, I guess, can't do herself. But there is something about just the fact that how many times in this season has Jonathan been trying to do something related to his career, related to his life and his education and his job? that she has shanghaied him away. I mean, she literally, he says, I'm on my way to the, my plane leaves in an hour, I'm going to Tahiti. No, you're not. You're going to North Carolina to um, speak with an old student of yours who thinks she's been attacked by a vampire or something like that. It's like, ooh, stop, um, stop doing that. I mean, after time, after, I mean, after time it stops becoming funny, I'm, I, I would, I, I would... I would almost prefer it was like a Charlie's Angels, and maybe she just called him up and gave him an assignment. 
or if it was like um, the original The Ghostbusters with um, Bob Burns, Larry Sorge of Forrest Tucker, where, you know, maybe he had to go with Benedict to a, a someplace and pick up an assignment a la like a Mission Impossible. But there's something about structuring almost everyone being like, Jonathan is going to do something very important for his career, for his work. We all know how he feels about his dad and how he wants to make good. And she keeps crapping all over it every single time. And the, and the thing was, if the show had been out for three or four years, we I would have loved to have seen a point where maybe he was anticipating the cases and she would come to him with a case but he'd already be on it where suddenly this became something he wanted to be a part of like Scully doesn't want to be a part of the X-Files when she joins up she's reticent she's interested but she's reticent but then after a time how, how can you not be especially when aliens abduct you and impregnate you how can you be spoiler how can you not be you know but there has to be there has to be a point like Benny's all in and Jonathan needs that sort of sort of point. And unfortunately, the way the show works, we never get that point. We just see him being kind of annoyed, and it's very sitcom-y. Um, so eh, that is what that is. And that that they they I think they would have dealt with that as as, as things went along. Uh, but yeah, um, the first time I watched this, I was like I said, not not too thrilled. But having just watched it right now. I don't know if it's because I just had a long, tiring day of work, and then I ended up watching this, and just it entertained the heck out of me, is what is what it did. But I really enjoyed it. I mean, again, it this is a show that has its own merits. That that I sh- I I shouldn't have to point at something and say and clarify it by telling you when it was made. If I well, sometimes you have to do that, but 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 really, to me, the best stuff is the stuff. It's not timeless. Nothing's timeless. Um, my favorite novel, *The Life and Opinions of Trish from Shandy Gentleman*, published in what the 1760s, um, uh, in what like uh, nine installments. Um, uh, you know that to me, that is timeless. But however, I own a three-volume version of that book, and the third volume is 500 pages of notes to explain why it's timeless and and i know that sounds foolish but but that's that's one of the things and every everything has its place in time and 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 space and so watching the show to me is a joy part of it is nostalgia but this episode is a nostalgia i didn't watch the armed forces network episodes about 10 years ago you know the 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 first what nine i watched when i was 12 13 over and over again but these four were in now i didn't watch these until i was much older you do the math so this is not there's no nostalgia involved with this i mean unless i have nostalgia for when i was a few years younger but but i have no childhood nostalgia for this episode in particular but i do enjoy it and the, the the tricky thing at the end of the day, I think we're shadow chasers, and this is going to save, I guess, a lot of time in the next episode, which is the final episode. But um, just my total sort of flip-flop on my thoughts behind this one between the first time I watched it the second time just made me think that, um, I mean, I think all of this, um, I mean, the, the good stuff works. I mean, I was thinking I would love to watch... We won't cover it here, but the Gary Collins show, The Sixth Sense, I've never seen it. There's a French DVD set. The folks who put out Gemini Man and Misfits of Science um, put that out. Um, I'd love to watch that. I bet that's very of its time. I'd probably would need some explanation to someone who doesn't know the time. But 
yeah, I, I, I enjoy this episode, and I am enjoying this series. Again, favorite series. Um, it's a series I love. Is it, is it an all-time favorite series? As in, um, if someone came to here right now and told me to throw away all the TV DVDs I've owned, not counting Doctor Who, and maybe like some British sitcoms and say like The X-Files, and meet Corliss Archer, um, if they told me to throw them all away, except for maybe like four or five, and I have a lot, um, Shadow Chases would probably get thrown away. But that's not a bad thing. They're all in my mind, and I've talked about them here, and I enjoy them. So I think, uh, I think, yeah, give this one to try. Give this one, watch this one with the last one. They're very different episodes, but they're written by, written by the same two people. So you get the same sort of sensibility in the writing, which I like. So, yeah, I'm going to stop talking about this one now because since I can't ruin it, I went off on a, that wasn't a tangent. That was a divergent. I don't know what that was. I just did. But thank you. Thank you uh, for listening to me uh, talk about this episode. I am, I, th- I think what I'm, doing is I'm projecting onto the next discussion I have of the the final episode of the show um, which is I believe it's out of, ahead of time I believe ahead of time and you might guess what it's about from that and you might also think really it's about that mm, let's let's uh let's tune in soon shall we but yeah that's blood and magnolias an episode um that I didn't quite like the first time. I watched it right now, but I quite like the second time. I think they do a good job. Marianne, Michael, well done. Mr. Bowman, well done. Guys, well done. And let us head on over. You know where we're going. We're going to see Auto Man. Episode 4, Ships in the Night, January 5th, 1984. This is directed by Bob Claver, written by Park Perrine. Perrine. And this in this one, there is some sort of jerk, um, American jerk living in a on an island or somewhere they're called San Cristobal. And Americans, sort of kind of trying to be expat kind of Americans, go there and disappear. And they're going to, uh, specifically, they're going to go after one who went down there and disappeared. And they discovers that there, there is this this man there, this jerk, who is basically lures people in to get them to sort of um, give him money for things, j- drugs, and then he kills them. And so Auto Man and, and Walter and the others uh, go down there to try to stop this from happening and... Um, yeah, Chris and I are going to uh, talk all over it. So get in the Mickey Blast of something. We're on the other side. All right, folks. Auto Man is back. That's not the theme of Auto Man. It's, it's something very different from that. that that's my own Auto Man theme. Auto Man is here. He's having a great time. 
with some great hair. I'm going I'm to develop it more as we go. But this is episode four, Ships in the Night. You just heard the little uh, plot breakdown on it. And I have with me the great, the wonderful, she's everywhere, she's everywhere. Kristen Hawes, a.k.a. Kiki writes, Kristen, how are you doing right now? Tell me in depth and full. I am finishing my dinner, which is tacos, and I am wearing my tropical pajama pants and my palm tree socks, and I am ready to go solve crimes in San Cristobal. How are you, Dan? Yes, I'm, I'm heading down there with you. I, um, I, the L, the um, LAPD jurisdiction knows no bounds as auto no. man will teach us in this episode i am doing okay i'm ready to talk some more auto man and i think we'll dive right in we're both we're both we're very busy people folks and 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 so i want to ask kristen right now what did you think your first thought no your last thought your middle what do you think about ships in the night um i actually really like this episode even though the crime part of it the case that they're working is really suspect plot wise it's very it's a very thin premise that sends them to the island of san cristobal because this businessman goes missing and so lapd decides they need to go look for him and i don't understand how that works because as you mentioned the jurisdiction knows no bounds um but what i like about the episode and i find this as as we go along and i remember this from when i binge watched it years ago is that what I really like about Auto Man is not so much the crimes that they solve, but watching Auto Man try to people, because he gets his his uh, education from various places, and it and it's just it's a joy to watch. And I also think, and this might just be my deteriorating mental state, but I think that the humor <laughs> in this episode was better than the previous episodes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know. I, I do I but I do I did enjoy this episode. What did you think, Dan? Um, I you, you know what's weird is I watched this episode three times over the past four days, and it's funny because I was hoping you would say something completely different from what I was going to say, but you've said almost what I was going to say. So I'll try to say it in a slightly different way, and that might work um, because there is something I love about this episode. Um, I love the interaction between the more or less the four main cast members. Now, I haven't been too thrilled on the lady, whose name I'm forgetting. Um, lady. Nice lady. Roxanne. Yes. And the other guy, the other guy who's like the, the super cop who always comes in and actually Jack. usually. Yes, who actually usually gets like beat up or arrested or something like that and Auto Man has to save them. Um, but in this one, those two. And and uh, Desert Nez Jr. and and Auto Man, um, not that he Nebuchadnezzar, what's um, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, right? Nebuchadnezzar. Yes, um, I was going to say Nebish because that's what the chief keeps calling him, but I don't. So, um, but I like their interaction throughout this. I like um, their scenes together. There are a couple very funny scenes I think where. Um, a very suspect voice who I thought was maybe you goofing on me when I was listening. Um, there's a phone call for Mr. Otto on line one or something like that. And I thought, Kristen, are you goofing? 
What's happening? I, I don't just, do it. I don't do a horrible English accent. That was kind of a suspect. No, I don't know what it was. Accent that was happening there. I don't know what I was doing right there. But it's like this voice keeps showing up, and it's like, where where is that coming from? But there's a great there's a great sequence where there are like three phones, and it's a variation of sort of like a get smart thing, or I think Sledgehammer does it too, where they like they they're like three phone booths in a row, and they get a phone call in one phone booth, and the person they're talking to is like two phone booths away kind of thing but this is like three red courtesy phones and so it's like one of them is on the red courtesy phone with auto man and it's like yes da, da, da. and then they suddenly realize like auto man is right behind them and they do that twice and it's funny both times they do it i think it's very nicely done and i think all the all the all the um all the bits with the characters and like you said seeing auto man trying to uh what what is it he mentions a movie he says high wind to java i couldn't find a high wind to java i found a fair wind to java which is possibly what he meant and maybe they couldn't say the name but maybe there is a high wind to java that that i missed sort of a um caribbean um adventure film that he had watched that kind of put him in the mood to go down to the caribbean with um with uh, uh mr arnez jr and um, I think when they're together, the two of them are together, or when they're with the other two, it's it's really lovely. I really enjoyed it. The things that I found tricky about the episode was that uh, what well, two two main things. One is, yeah, like like you kind of said the uh, well. I don't know if I want to say that one first or second. Give, give me a moment to think where I want to put these two. Um, uh, yeah, okay. Let, let, I'll do it like this. Um, I think that the tricky thing with the episode, the two things are, for me, that one, a lot of it feels a bit like previous episodes. There's a casino... And there's Auto Man, like, looking like, yeah, I'm looking good. And he goes in and he swabs everyone. And maybe that's the thing they're going to do for every episode. But seeing that, like, and, and some of the car chases and things felt familiar. So so there were elements in it where it was like, are we out of, is our bag of tricks empty already? Mm, it could be. Manimal had more bag of tricks than this, I'll be honest. But but that that was my one worry about the episode. My other one was that, like you said, the the actual story, the actual crime that's occurring is, to be honest, kind of dull. And when like Auto Man and and and, and Desir Nez Jr. aren't there doing their thing and, and Roxanne isn't there joined in and such, it's a little dull. Um, and when they sort of get to the final scenes, it's kind of like, okay, I, I knew where they were going and it, it, it didn't, it didn't, you know, like grab me and say, here's the ending. It was like, okay, here we go. Here it is. And it's the end. So it was tricky. And, and also, okay, one more, th one more thing. Did this feel like it should have been remembering that this is the season of Manimal and Masquerade? Did this seem like this should have been an Auto Man episode to you? Because the premise is some jerk is in the Caribbean with some corrupt police chief killing rich guys and taking their money. Does that seem like something where you need a superhero who can like 
communicate with all the computers in the world and create cars and airplanes and helicopters out of his mind. It just, it just seems like it almost seems to me like the fact that they sent Roxanne and that other cop first and then uh, Walter and, and Auto Man went. It almost seems like this was maybe like a leftover masquerade or something. Like it was like, go down to Christabel because there are some communists who are killing American businessmen. Oh, masquerade got canceled. Put Auto Man in it. Did, I don't know if you thought that, but that that's the, the one problem I had with it was like, you have a great really great fun superhero type character and this is the story you're giving him ugh this is like spider-man in the 70s as much as i love the guy who played spider-man in the 70s it was like no 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 you you need to you need to have spider-man fighting like doc ock or the sandman or something you don't have him go up against like three guys who are trying to rob a bank no 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 you're if you have a superhero your villains should match, I think, the quality of the hero. And if they don't, because at the end of the day, Auto Man literally, like, if he if he knew everything ahead of time, he could have just walked right in and solved it in like two minutes. So, so that that's one tricky thing. That may be me overthinking it. Forgive me. I'll lean back for a moment. Actually, I think it's interesting that you did point that out. I didn't think about that. That. It might have been a script for Masquerade or, or Manimal. I haven't seen Masquerade, and I, gosh, I don't think I, I've seen Manimal since I was a little kid. So, yeah, it didn't occur to me that that could have been, but now that you point it out, I, I can't unsee it. But, <laughs> and yeah, I guess, I guess um, that you also, you know, you also pointed out this isn't a very good a case for a superhero and I suppose yeah I, but I don't think the fact that it gets well you know it's going to get solved I don't think that's part of the journey it, it necessarily is okay. how the case gets solved so okay. much as yeah. so much as it's just watching Auto Man try to limbo because that was beautiful <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yes that was fantastic we were all we all rejoiced but we also but we also did get to see because I did like the way that um the way they did catch the bad guys, um, or at least they set them up, was mm-hmm. having Walter use um, the corrupt police captain to uh, put things in motion. I thought I actually thought that was rather clever. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, when you do have a, a superhero that can like just tap into computers and literally solve everything in minutes, you have to make it somewhat interesting. So you have him run off and go limbo. And True. I think yeah. I realized in this episode, he seems to have an affinity for taking off his shirt because he does that a lot in public. He, does. he takes it off. It's great in here. Yes. So yeah. you see, so, yeah. So you see the Tron shirt underneath and he's always wowing crowds with that and embarrassing the hell out of Walter. And I'm just like, he seems to have this innate urge to be naked like a toddler. Yes. <laughs> he needs yes. to take off his clothes. Yes. So oh, I noticed that's... that this episode. Oh, and that's the thing too. When he t- when when he takes off his shirt, Walter says, "But you got to put that on. You you can't you can't be like that." And and he looks around at all the people. Basically, it's it's a variation of sort of carnival. Not quite, obviously. It's not the same um, uh, uh, geographical location. But that's sort of what the people are doing. And he's like, "I don't look any different from anyone else." And he's he's kind of right, you know. It's it's he he fits in. No one really, 
cares that he's glowing and neon, you know, which is fun. It's 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 weird because I am I am almost where you are with it, where um I I was almost able to ignore the the well, I don't know that you did that. I'm sorry. I don't I don't mean to um I mean say that. But um I think like like I said my favorite parts of this are Auto Man and the gang doing Auto Man stuff. And sometimes it's saving the day, crazy car chases or falling out of planes. But a lot of times it's just limbo. You know, and he does this crazy limbo and then, um, you know, he's pulled out of there and he says, oh, but I want to go back. You know, they they were, if they lowered it one more time, I would have broken the island record. You know, it's, oh, so it's, it's, it's funny because I, I, <laughs> in, Part of me really likes them, the gang, the four of them in this. Well, not part of me, most of me likes. I really like them in this. But I do, I mean, um, of course, uh, we do have, um, and I, I've never said her last, it's France Nguyen? What, how is her last Nguyen. name? Nguyen. Nguyen, yes. Nguyen, I believe. Yes, I love her. She is brilliant. She is always fantastic. Yes. And she's in this, so it's like, yeah. So she's great. She's she's she's. It's fun to have her in this. Um, but but it's it's tricky because yeah, I almost wish, I almost wish that they had like, I don't know, like had one writing team who was in charge of the Auto Man bits, and another one who were writing a more scintillating story for them to get involved in, because I really like the episode. But by the time I get to the end, the the storyline, I'm I'm bored. I don't know if it's the direction or the editing or what it is, but I'm bored with the storyline. I wish it would just end. I thought I when I first watched this episode, I stood up, walked out to the living room, and said to my wife, "I just watched a two-hour-long episode of Auto Man," and she said, "Really?" And I said, "No, it was 51 minutes, but it felt like it was two hours." And so eh, now that 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 could be. This was the time period when I was very young and I was having trouble watching hour-long American television. So this just could have been one of those shows that I would have watched and been like, uh, this isn't, it isn't grabbing me. And maybe it still doesn't. But there's enough of Auto Man and the gang to just like, yeah, pull me in. I don't know. I don't, maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe that's the point of what we're doing here, but um, I don't know. <laughs> do you have anything, do you have anything else be, before we hit some points? Or Well, um, I will agree with you on one point. Well, actually two. I do believe you're overthinking it, but also <laughs> I think that, um, I think you're right. It This episode does feel long. With all, even with all of the fun bits, and there's a lot of good stuff yeah. throughout the episode, but I don't know, I don't know how, why, it just it felt really long, mm. which is odd because it's not like I was, I was, I didn't get bored, mm. I was entertained throughout, but it did feel like I'm like, should we not be wrapping this up soon? Yeah. Oh, it's only been 35 minutes, mm. so I see what you're coming from on that. I will agree with that, that it did feel long. 
I and and it, it's funny because there's there's a show I love from the early seventies called Search, which maybe one day we will talk about in Avengers Super Train. And all those episodes are about fifty one, fifty two minutes, and those all feel lengthy to me. Also, like um, the Night Stalker, Kolchak the Night Stalker with Darren McGavin, those episodes feel lengthy to me, but they don't feel like I'm not bored when I watch them. They just feel long. And the joy is knowing they're short-lived shows. I love the fact that they feel long because there aren't a lot of them. But this just, for some reason, I don't know why, like by the time we got to the last act and Auto Man was pretended to be a rich guy at the casino, I thought, seriously, how long has this gone on and why is my Blu-ray player lying to me whenever I ask it to display the time? Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, I'm, I've got a play right now. It says 51 minutes and three seconds. And the first three minutes are the intro. The first three minutes of the intro. So there's only 48 minutes of episode, but it felt, I don't, I don't don't know. I, maybe one day we'll figure out why that is. Is it the direction? Is it the editing? Is it, is it the script? Um, everyone seems to be working hard. I I don't know. I don't know. It's a mystery for our time. Yes. It really is. We're, we're, we'll that would so now what we'll do folks I don't want us to go too crazy on this my confusion has already been confusing <laughs> enough Chris what else do you have about this episode well I did want to point I did want to agree with you on something else I did like Roxanne better in the and the in the yes. police captain we didn't see him as much but I did like Roxanne much better because there's that time you pointed out when they were on the red phones talking back to back so there's Auto Man and then there's Roxanne and and Jack Curtis's behind him yes and jack says something about um he's a professional like us and Mm -hmm. roxanne rolls her eyes (laughs) i cackle every single time i watched the episode twice for this and i just i laughed out loud both times because i thought that was a great look yes so yeah roxanne was was a lot better and the horrified look she she and walter both both had when they caught auto man doing limbo limbo yes just just beautiful. I I loved it. Yeah. Yes. Um I I think um I I like too when they're on those red phones that there's sort of a um that they're all in into the shtick. You know, it's like no one's really like, you know, you can you could tell they all know they're like 3 feet away from each other on the phone, but they're all kind of being <laughs> A bit, you know, like, oh, yes, I'm on the phone here. And, you are you know, no one turns around and goes, hey, well, maybe they do at the end. But, I, but, but you know, that's not the and, and there's kind of a lovely uh, comedy to that that I like. Um, yeah. I, will, I, um, I, I do wonder. Um, it's, it's interesting um, because, well, I don't know that it's interesting. I, I say it's interesting because I think it's interesting. I don't know if anyone else thinks that. So at the end of this episode, when they're talking with the chief, the chief, his big thing is like, all right, so this was solved by three cops doing their jobs and doing it well. Did it have anything to do with your computers there, Desi Arnaz Jr., Mr. Babalu, get out of my office. What are you doing? And it's interesting because I thought when I was watching it that it didn't feel like an Automan episode that needed all of that. And the chief is kind of saying that. But I know he's saying that because he's kind of a jerk sometimes but but the moment i because the episode ended and i thought and i wrote a note um is this auto man and then that sec that sequence began i was like oh the chief is thinking that too he's thinking what show am i in (laughs) 
Am I in mass? Am I Rod Taylor? Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm Rod Taylor. I'm better looking than I thought I was. And I'm not as balding. Oh, look at me. I'm good. Okay. So that, I don't know. So that was, I don't know what I was talking about there. But, um, (laughs) Kristen, have a look at your notes. What else do you have on this one? Um, (laughs) great. Now I'm just going to be thinking about him being Rod Taylor. Um, okay. So, like I said, a lot of funny bits, and I wrote a bunch of them down because it amused me. Oh, because yes. everybody got to do something. Everybody got a line. It was like Barney Miller. Everybody got a line to be funny. <laughs> but one of my favorites is they land, they take the auto jet and land at this abandoned airstrip, which apparently is being used for smugglers. And so the federales come up, and he basically tells... Um, auto man, you can't be seen here. And he goes, you need, you need to get out of here. And auto man's like, discretion is my middle name. And he disappears. Yes. And I was just like, that is so beautiful. Where's your friend? Where's your friend? Hey. <laughs> I loved it. Cause it was just like, well, discretion is my middle name and disappears. And I'm like, there's nothing more, you know, obvious than a man who is there one minute. And gone yes. the next. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's 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 odd too. I, I, I just had this thought too because um I don't know, is anyone whiter than Auto Man? Maybe me. But is there any white guy more white than Auto <laughs> But there's something about like being on a Car- Caribbean island and rushing up to Desi Arnaz Junior and be like, What are you doing here? It's like, well, he's Cuban. <laughs> you know what, what about the white guy did you see the huge white guy you know it's 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 weird the, the response is they almost seem to forget you know maybe they're all thinking oh you're you, you're lucy's boy okay yes all right well to be fair the guy said that this was this was an airstrip used by smugglers smugglers yes and they were playing true. pretty heavy on the latin stereotypes that's from true. the 80s oh yes and yeah, so you you would think that, yeah, I mean, they probably watched Miami Vice. They would have ex- assumed that Desi O'Neill Jr. being Cuban was a smuggler of some kind. Possibly, they wouldn't yeah, have. Yeah. They wouldn't have gone after the big blonde rich man. <laughs> Desi O'Neill Jr. and the vanishing white guy. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a holiday special we never got. I'm oh, sad I now. I would have watched it. Desi Lou would have made that in the mid '70s, and we never got that one. <laughs> Uh, uh, I'm gonna scan my notes okay it's there there is a moment where um and this is this is just me when when um Walter is leaving the crooked police officers um oh you, let him go let him go uh, we're sorry apologize to him let him go he leaves the office and the officer who just apologized looks at the police chief the police chief looks at him and I immediately said kill him but the, the police chief actually says, follow him. So I was like, okay, so sort of follow you, follow me. I'm with it, baby. I'm with it. I can rock that. You know, we don't have to, we don't always have to kill. We can yeah. have good times. We can you just know? follow you around. <laughs> follow that guy around. You know, <laughs> what else do you have on this? I'm, I'm looking at my notes okay. here. Um. Well, it should be, it should be pointed out mm. that, so when we start the episode, there's the one bad guy. He has a name. I can't think of it. And I don't know. Steve. <laughs> it, I don't the, know. The, Bobby. Is it? I don't know. It's um, 
What's his name? Sawyer. So Sawyer, Sawyer is yes. talking to the first victim, which is his name is Dowling, and he suggests him. The whole premise is like that the, they get these businessmen who are, their companies are going bankrupt, and they like con them out of money by saying, "Hey, we'll sell you some drugs that you can sell in the states for like a lot of money, and that'll get you out of your problem." But all I could think of is when I was watching that that first part was like, this is the squarest drug deal I have ever seen. Like, I don't believe either one of these men has anything to do with cocaine at all. <laughs> Not in the least. Because the moment he says cocaine, it's almost like I blushed. I was like, oh, cocaine. Oh, is that? And it, it, <laughs> they're the two kind of guys who are like, they're sitting by a pool. And I think I recognize the pool from, like, a BJ and the Bear episode. I'm fairly certain Greg Evans got pushed into that pool during a fight <laughs> at one time, uh, maybe a year or so before this or two. Um, but but as they're, they're – they're the kind of nerdy business guys sitting at this pool where, like, like a really attractive women walk by and they kind of look at them and you think, no, she's not going <laughs> to – no, the, no, she's not going to. Yeah, and it's kind of like you don't normally do that with the super rich guys. You know, you're like, hey, baby, how are you? And the ladies look and go, yeah. You know, regardless of how gross the guy is, you know, you know, yeah. And But but in this, it's sort of like they don't even bother to look because it's just like two doofuses. Like, you know, it's like it's like the you know the evil mr rogers are sitting at a table yeah. like, doing something i don't i don't know what's going on you yeah know? they're just like this is too unhip even for me i can't it's, even lower myself to this, this not even Coca- for sugar daddy you know and, you know and even even the guys are cocaine really i didn't um that's a surprise to me yeah i don't know i hadn't meant to say cocaine i was just i just just that's just what came out last time it was heroin you know, the time before that, it was just like auto parts. You know, it was just whatever <laughs> flies out of my mouth is what you're smuggling. I don't know. <laughs> I would believe that, too. <laughs> Especially since it's not real. So I would totally believe yes, that he yes, would just be yes. like, and we're going to give you some diamonds. And it's, tri- it's tricky, too, because that that spot, that that table that they're at where they they hold that transaction is the exact table that Walter and the corrupt police chief are at later on. And it's literally, it's like the same camera angle. So, you know, I, I don't like to point out, like, that may have been done at the same time. But, but it's, you know, it's like literally, it's like, okay, bring in the other guys. We'll do the same thing. Put them in the same seats. Have the, should we have the same women walk by? Well, yeah. We're not going to hire new extras. For the next hour, I don't care how much what Desi Arnaz Jr. wants, you know. Uh, well, they just expected that our eyes would be glued to Desi Arnaz Jr., so we wouldn't notice what was going on in the background. Exactly. I will be honest. I was a little dis- distracted by the background, <laughs> both of those scenes. But that's just me. I like I said. I kept expecting to see a chimp run by, and maybe I don't know. You know. I, <laughs> I don't know, you know, like Aaron Gray or someone. I don't know. Just, just run by and Greg Evigan fall into a pool. That was that's what I was hoping for. That could um, have totally happened in the background, and that would have oh, been interesting. That, just be, it'd be like, yes, we were filming this BJ and the Bear episode at the same time, and the, the BJ and the Bear verse or yeah. whatever the heck I call it, the Evigan verse, or I don't know. You know, it's like if you look to the left of that shot in that episode with um. Oh gosh, what is uh, a Pogo Lil? I forget what her the actress's name is. It's um, 
Uh, give me a second. I'll remember her name. Her her mother was Lassie, and on Petticoat Junction, why am I forgetting her name? Um, the mom on Lassie and June Lockhart. Are you talking about Ann Lockhart? Yes, yes, yes. She was in. She was Pogo Lil in um, uh, two episodes of BJ and the Bear, and she accidentally gets BJ pushed into a pool. She would. Yeah, that happens. So, um, so that's that ships in the night. Let's. I'm gonna make one more scan over my notes. Um, the federal report, Roxanne. High wind to Java. Yeah, he does mention seeing a film called High Wind to Java, uh, which is sort of like an adventure film. But I couldn't find that. But I found Fair Wind to Java. Um, and they do say six men have gone missing in the last eighteen months on that island. And I do again ask, how far does the because I've been to the Caribbean, and in order to get there from Los Angeles, I had to fly across the United States and then fly down the United States. So the LAPD, I don't know how they, I, I don't they know if it's a huge like, jurisdiction. <laughs> I was going to say, it's like, did no one have an atlas um, around this time? <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, oh, the, it it would have been more believable if they're like, well, this island is off the coast of Mexico. I would have bought it. Like if yes. it was like, they're like, it's like off Baja. the Baja yes. Peninsula. Yeah. I totally would have bought that a little yeah, bit better exactly. than saying they're down over by Florida. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, by Cuba. Yeah, yeah, that's where the LAPD, they're, they're, you know, they don't touch any of the states in between, but they, you know, they go from Santa Monica to Cuba, but they miss all the 3,000 miles. <laughs> In between, yeah, that's so. Um, uh, I'm I'm just gonna say I do love Auto Man this episode. Um, I um I do I do love seeing him people it up like you said. Um, there 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 are a few moments when I was like, let let's get him somewhere else. There is a great moment where um, Walter is inside of him. Kids, calm down. Walter <laughs> is inside of him. And he's an auto man is pitching himself to the bad guy Sawyer Sar, whoever Sawyer. Sawyer and uh, Leanne Liu, who is um, France Nguyen, Nguyen? Um, Nguyen. and the the power goes out, and he kind of and and he kind of auto man vanishes, and suddenly Walter is there by himself, and they beat the crap out of him. Which I think is probably going to be a thing that happens throughout the rest of the series, but it's 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 weird because I did I I'll I'll, I'll wrap it up here and if you have anything else cast wise please jump in but I will just say I didn't love the episode but I like the episode um and I think if it can find a way to do what Manimal did or a show like say Gemini Man early on did. And make the sh the episodes more about the characters being pulled into something rather than oh the characters have to go here to something else kind of thing. You know, like, like I kept thinking when I was watching this, kind of like say like Canon, you know, like Canon in like his first season or two, he didn't have really like um uh like an office or anything. He'd just show up, and so there was never a place where Canon was. He just was where the story was. And that was Canon's thing. 
And that's why we love him. It's William Conrad. We all love William Conrad. We all, if I, if he was here right now, I'd give him a big hug. And he'd give me a big hug back. And he'd talk about Nero Wolf behind my back as we're trying to discuss uh, Auto Man. And I'd have to tell him to stop. Um, but, but the thing, the thing with Auto Man is it's like the character you, you, you bring, like you said, almost like a baby into this world and he's full grown. It's so much fun <laughs> to see him develop and, hit all these points in life and just like adapt and go here and go there and and also be super cool and save the day and so this episode eh, if i were to give it a a grade probably a b minus i would think and eh, maybe i don't know i think a b minus uh, yeah i'm gonna go with that so so what else do you have on this one any cast stuff you don't have to give a letter grade uh, a number grade <laughs> one to a hundred will be fine i'm kidding of course you know i just made this up so it's we're fine she doesn't have to say anything folks she's fine she's fine i do i just want to bring up one more thing and that is at the the end because the way they're killing these businessmen is that they're chucking them out of planes which is cold as ice love it but they do the same to Walter and Auto Man. And all I will say is they did the best they could for 1983 when they were filming that. Because, they, um, they, <laughs> it yeah, was... this, yeah, this isn't the beginning of Moonraker, folks. It's not, it's not, it's not like, like James Bond with no parachute doing skydiving bombs sort of towards me. This, they did the best they could. And it was it it you know what that alone right there raises the grade up for me for like an A minus just because I'm I will not stop giggling about that, but you know they did the best they could anyway I just have one cast note that I want to bring up because this is pertinent to another show that you and I have discussed in the past mm. the um, corrupt police officer his name's Captain Romano actually. He was portrayed by Cesare De Nova. Yes. And we saw him. He played Felix Garth in the Corpse of the Year episode of Green Hornet. Oh, yes. Yes. So 20 years later, well, less than 20 years later, we see him again. That's, I think, and thank you. uh, And I was going to say, I recognize him. He is in, he is in, I believe he is in the, pilot two-hour pilot movie of the really wonderful hal linden harry morgan show black's magic which levinson which levinson and link did i think in 85 86 it only did 13 seasons it's levinson and link and peter fisher if you know them they well they're murder she wrote but they're also more or less columbo so their black's magic is a kick-ass show and um he is the i think he's the guy who gets killed in the first episode don't huh. quote me on that but he is in that and um yes well, when I, I sat there the whole time watching him going yeah <laughs> you you should see him again since you are watching nero wolf he's supposed to pop up in an episode of nero wolf oh i will stand by and i'll give i'll give a shout if now if you if you folks are listening and i gave a shout in a previous episode because we're recording this after that nero wolf then enjoy this post shout out. But if this is a pre shout out, yeah, this is going to be awesome. 
But I don't know what's happening right now. We're going to finish this episode. Ships in the night. Strangers <laughs> in the night. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So, Kristen, do you have anything else on this? I think I'm, I think I'm good. I'm, I'm good. All right. So, um, uh, where are you? Are you okay, Kristen? Do I need to call Auto Man? Auto? Oh, you should always call Auto Man. I'm always up for a limbo. Of course. Of course. How are you? What's going on? <laughs> um, would you like to be able to find me online, Dan? Please, yes. Where? Yeah. You can find me online at my blog, KikiWritesAbout.com. That is actually the home of my podcast, Bookum Dano, yes. an old Hawaii Five-O podcast. I cover the 1968 Hawaii Five-O series. You should totally tune in. Dan has guested on an episode, oh, I and I hope to get him back on soon. Um, and you can also follow me and my nonsense on Twitter at Kiki <laughs> And the joy again of this, if you're hearing this, folks, I may have actually been on her podcast again by the time you're hearing this. So <laughs> she may be actually referring to a time that already happened and maybe referencing a time that will be to come. I don't know, folks. That's the joy of it. Those are, we're ships in the night, folks. We're ships in the night. <laughs> And that was episode 93, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you had a good time. I hope you enjoyed it. I think it's fun. You know me. I, I always think it's fun. I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't think it was fun. So, <sighs> at eSuperTrain1 on Twitter. Eventually Supertrain on Facebook. Eventually Supertrain.blogspot.com. You can email me at Danny, D-A-N-N-Y, Slacks, S-L-A-C-K-S, at Yahoo.com. If you got something you want to say. And... Yeah, that, that's really about it. I'm just going to wrap it up. And 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 forgive me, folks. Previously, like, if if you if you, if you I'm sure you just listened, so you heard uh, during Shadow Chasers because I had the sound bites. I did a relatively lengthy plot breakdown, but I kept it very straightforward for Nero Wolf and Auto Man. I'm trying to sort of streamline the episodes the best I can, and the the, the streamlining is done in the sound bites and the segments where it's just me talking. So if I can do that in a plot breakdown, I will. So I hope if if I left anyone out in the cold, if you're at the end here saying, Dan, yeah, it was great that you guys talked about Nero Wolf for half an hour, but I didn't get what the heck was going on, or the same thing with Automan, then please um, shoot me an email, message me over on Twitter, like I said, ID Supertrain1, and I will expand the breakdowns again. But I'm trying to, trying to tighten it up as best I can, so... Eh, we'll see what happens. Next episode is, um, oh, yeah, episode 94, episode 9 of uh, Nero Wolf, episode 5 of Auto Man, and yes, the final episode of Shadow Chasers. We are wrapping up another show in the next episode. Uh, what's next? I know, and I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Talk to you next time.